What up, what up, what's going on, folks? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 164 of the Spun Today podcast. And in this episode, I speak about some podcast beefs and related news, the passing of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. Stick around for all that good stuff, but first, here is a very quick way that you can help support the show, which is absolutely free and gets you something in return. You know that feeling you get on a Monday when the weekend already feels like a distant memory and the next one feels like it's weeks away? Have no fear, my friends. The Spun Today newsletter is here, and it's here to make it so that your Mondays don't have to suck. Come on, guys. I can lead you to the water, but I can't make you drink it. You have to do that part on your own by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. I put together a free weekly newsletter that I send out to all of my subscribers every Monday at noon. Here's what's in it. A photo of the week so that you can take your mind off the mundane and enjoy the scenic route. A podcast of the week because I listen to dozens of podcasts every single week from a wide range of shows. And I cherry pick the very best ones and recommend them to you here. The Sponsoring Newsletter also includes a video of the week, which will include anything from a TED Talk, to a rap battle, to a tasty recipe that I stumbled upon, or a dope interview. A quote of the week for some food for thought, and a word of the week for my fellow wordsmiths out there to step up your vocab. So you'll be getting five things absolutely for free every Monday at noon in your inbox. If you choose to subscribe, all you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you'll get the very next one. All right, so a few episodes ago, episode 161 of the Spun Today podcast, I told you guys a bit about of the background of the beef between Joe Budden and Spotify, the Joe Budden Bot podcast and the platform Spotify. If you want full details on the nuance within that situation, go check out episode 161 or look for the specific clips from that episode on YouTube. On the sponsored YouTube page. But in a nutshell, Joe Budden had a two-year contract on his exclusive contract with Spotify, meaning that Spotify was the only platform where you can listen to the Joe Budden podcast, Spotify and YouTube. But in terms of podcatchers like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeart Stitcher, etc., Spotify was the only one. So that contract came to an end and Joe Budden decided not to re-sign with Spotify. Now, the Joe Budden podcast had some sort of licensing deal with Spotify because Spotify did not have creative control over his show. And what Spotify came back with was a much higher offer for them to re-sign, for Joe, the Joe Budden podcast to re-sign with Spotify. However, which is something that I don't think I, I clarified enough during episode 161, the ask was not just 
or the offer rather was not just an eight figure deal which was rumored i've heard um estimates between like 10 and and 30 million it wasn't just that it was that but with the stipulation of complete ownership of the joe Bunnett podcast versus the licensing type of scenario that they're in now which from a creative perspective of course you don't want that deal no matter the size of the bag because taking that deal relinquishing ownership to your ip to your intellectual property is when your show as you know it ceases to exist because the folks that are purchasing your show in this example would be spotify they're going to have their influence and creative input and censorship and ideas of what you should speak about what you shouldn't speak about etc which is obviously going to mold and shape your show in a different way than you would for yourself so you're in essence abandoning what got you to that point what got you to the point to be at a negotiating table being offered 10 20 30 million dollars for your show which to me in my opinion is a win whether you take that that deal or not it's a win just being in that type of conversation being pitched that type of offer so if it ain't broke don't fix it keep doing what you were doing it's working clearly so i'm completely with joe budden and the jbp boys maul rory and parks when it comes to that type of mentality that type of aiming in that direction there are ways of going about it though some can criticize i understand the criticism you know the whole you know throwing the baby out with the bathwater type of approach to things making seemingly emotional moves or moves based on emotion at least somewhat is probably not the best thing but i'm definitely eager to see what happens from here because the last show on spotify aired already i believe that dropped last week and they were speaking about during that show taking a week or two off or something like that but i'm eager to see and and follow their strategy for the show when they return whether it's going to be signing an exclusive with another platform like apple probably not iheart i'll get to that in a in a second but who knows maybe or whether it's just going completely wide and working with different podcast advertising agencies and funding their show that way, which would be interesting. Having a Patreon-only portion of their show, which probably makes sense because they have a, a very loyal following. They have options, you know, and options are a beautiful thing. But whatever it is that they decide, I am, again, eager to find out what that is and looking forward to continuing to enjoy a show that I was enjoying before. Now, what I loved on a very... I don't even want to call it like a petty level because I don't think it's petty. It's just I'm into the quote unquote beef that this spurred right against or amongst certain podcasters in the same way that I like battle rap and the competitive aspect of it. That's a battle of wits and cleverness in the same way that I enjoy a good rap beef. Like how ill was the Jay-Z and Nas beef of the early 2000s, Blueprint, Stillmatic, like that, that was like a moment in time that you can encapsulate and you listen to those albums and it puts you, you, it unlocks shit in your brain that puts you in different physical places and times, like through your mind. I like that. I'm interested in that. I'm intrigued by that. I'm fascinated by it. I enjoy it, especially when you know there's not going to be like a violent component to it. Like, unfortunately with Biggie and Tupac back in the day. So to me, this was similar to that, but in the podcast space. So you had folks like 
after after Joe Budden announced like the way he did his beef with Spotify. You had certain folks like Charlemagne chiming in, which is an icon in his own right. He's a Hall of Fame radio personality, has a dope podcast with Andrew Schultz, The Brilliant Idiots, which I've referenced a bunch of times. New York Times bestselling author. I've spoken about both of his books here on the show in the past, one being Black Privilege and the other being Shook Ones, both great books and heavily focused on mental health and related issues. And anyway, Charlemagne and Joe Budden have this like love-hate relationship. Like they're boys, but they they snap on each other publicly and privately. They've done shows together that you can you know watch on YouTube right now. Like they they were doing like this yearly uh, uh, state of the culture show. Maul, which is a co-host of the Joe Budden podcast, which is also the younger brother of Biggs Burke, which for those of you that don't know is the co-founder of Rockefeller with Jay Z and Dame Dash. Anyway, Maul has always had a beef with Charlemagne. Well, not always, but for a long time. Like on some separate shit, which I never knew exactly what it was about because it was like it was like an like an old thing, but it was like a known ongoing thing. And Maul recently mentioned on a show that it had something to do with Charlemagne mentioning on the Breakfast Club how much money Maul makes or doesn't make or has or doesn't have or something like that, which Maul took offense to. And anyway, there's like this uh, love hate relationship between them. And Charlemagne says some things publicly on both Breakfast Club and on, you know, more deeply on Brilliant Idiots, the podcast that he co-hosts with Andrew Schultz. And, you know, they were speaking to Joe Bonnet's, like, approach and how this is his MO. They hinted at him supposedly asking Spotify for $250 million instead of the $30 million that they offered. Like, wild shit. <laughs> and, you know, just cracking on him and stuff like that. And then Joe Budden came back with a couple episodes and rants checking them on some get the fuck out of my way what i'm fighting for is bigger than all of y'all stop wasting my time and making me have to stop and look back and correct you then andrew schultz who has another podcast very popular podcast which i also fuck with uh flagrant 2 which he co-hosts with akash singh they were breaking down the whole joe button thing on there then akash and andrew chime in and then joe button had obviously things to say about them and the thing with andrew schultz and akash singh they're both comics like legit stand-up comedians like they have that witty cleverness in spades you know it's like what they do with the ability to also win a room over in their favor and what's really interesting to me when these types of situations happen is that people act a bit out of character than what they normally act like right so folks like joe budden will get like really tight and angry and in that like rapper i'm gonna check you mode andrew schultz and akash get more into that i'm gonna crack on you and outwit the shit out of you mode but what i mean by the act a bit out of character is not not so much in a negative way but that it seems like they say things in the moment that they wouldn't otherwise bring up like for example andrew schultz mentioned how it was kind of like a, a little flex move on his part how he is the partner he has two partners. He's the third partner of a podcast advertising advertising agency, which sells the ads to Flagrant 2, Brilliant Idiots, and other podcasts. And that's like a component of Andrew Schultz, which I personally never knew about. I don't think he was that that public. I thought he was just like a really successful comic and podcaster. I didn't know he had this other 
stream of revenue coming in as well. And what had me fucking dying is that he, you know, he mentions that like in a in a, a bit of a little flex, and he's like, at the end of it, he's like, you know, but I respect what Joe Budden and and the guys are doing over there. And I like you guys' show. And from a business perspective, if you do want to be completely independent and have your own ownership, I'll give you guys the same exact deal that I give uh, Brilliant Idiots in terms of advertising. And whatever you hunt on your own, you keep. Meaning, you know, whatever like revenue and, and stuff like that that you make on your own, you keep. We won't take a cut of it. But anything we bring to the table to you, I'll give you the same split that, that I give my own podcast, Flavor and Two, and, and Brilliant Idiots, etc. Which was like a flex in and of itself. And then he end, he ends it with, ah, I'm just kidding. I don't want to do business with your bum ass podcast. <laughs> and it was just like a hilarious mic drop moment, in my opinion. Then Joe Budden says things that maybe he should not have said, like the fact that he's making money off the podcast through other avenues, like Revolt and the State of the Culture show that he has, etc. So like it becomes like this like dick measuring contest at some point but it's interesting as a spectator because i pick up on like these little things and you kind of sort of get a a feel for certain situations that you you weren't privy to before then another component to this whole thing is that people started unearthing these these old podcast clips of joe budden saying something to the effect of and i remember hearing this on his podcast like when it actually happened and it was like weird and kind of like whatever you know just you know when you're doing a podcast and you're like speaking off the dome and you know every single word is not fucking it's not like a script right that's how it is with these like freeform podcasts like even this that you're listening to right now for example i don't have all of this written down i'm speaking off the top of my head i have a couple bullet points of things that i jotted down yesterday that i wanted to touch on while recording this episode so there's some like podcast notes if you will like bullet points when it comes to a freeform podcast, but the vast majority of it is off the top of your head, right? So Joe Budden said something about since his dog was backed up, he like jerked off his dog or something like that, or like helped his dog relieve himself because there were no female dogs around. So he was just like looking out for his dog and people like unearthed like that clip and started saying that he was into bestiality and animal cruelty and just a bunch of wild shit like they were running with it it was mad jokes from <laughs> different podcasts there were even folks like uh troy ave which is like getting into the podcast game now and i don't know how i feel about troy ave like there's a i don't know there's like a certain like charisma or like quality to him and i remember like listening to an interview or two of his a couple years back thinking that like i liked some of the stuff he was saying like about preaching independence and ownership and like shit like that but there's always been like he rubbed me the wrong way i don't know what it is about him and i still feel like that like reluctance like something's off and for those of you that don't know troy have had like this issue with uh taxstone which was a, a podcaster as well and it came up it was like in the news there was like footage of the club that they were at and you see like troy have pulling out a gun and shooting and I think his best friend slash bodyguard got killed in that shooting. And Taxstone, they they both wound up in jail. Taxstone is still in jail. And Troy Ave is out. And there's this whole, like, snitch aura to him. But according to him, Tax tried to flip on him. So he did it first. Some some weirdness there. But anyway, Troy Ave has this, like, long-going beef with Joe Budden. Like, there was, like, a, 
people were saying that he was just like cloud chasing and shit but they went like back and forth on you know taking uh subliminal shots and direct shots at each other on their podcast and trey have offered like to fight him for i forgot 50 grand or something like that and donate the money to charity something like that but he went in on joe button with the whole dog thing and joe button had this song back in the day called pump it up it's like one of his like biggest commercial hits and he used to go pump 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 it up something like that and troy Abbott just singing like a dog version of that like pup 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 puppy loving or some shit like that and he was just like ragging him. It, it was kind of funny and catchy i saw a clip of it then joe button has this past of domestic violence charges allegedly i don't think he's ever been like locked up for it or anything like that and i don't know of any like official charges i haven't seen like actual paperwork i think he claims that there is no official paperwork etc but there are women in his past like tahiri i believe and cynthia something that have alleged to domestic violence when it comes to joe button so much so that when he had a rap battle actually with hollow the dawn like that was something that hollow brought up in in their battle and whatever like these stories also started resurfacing from the past and jason lee from hollywood unlocked which i like he had an interview with one of those women i forget which i think i think it was cynthia and jason lee from hollywood unlocked is cool with charlemagne you know during this post joe budden spotify beef this interview comes out and she touches on some of her history with with joe budden and then joe budden comes back with this is like a whole smear campaign campaign against him and everything seems like very calculated etc etc which could be him being paranoid but and you know everything could be a coincidence or maybe it is somewhat of a smear campaign who the fuck knows right but what i like uh what jason lee said when he addressed it on his show because joe budden said something to the effect of you know and the story from hollywood unlocked dropped on my birthday that couldn't have been a coincidence etc blah 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 and what i was dying laughing is that jason lee he's like he's a gay dude right so he has like that this like flair to him so i don't know it just sounded even funnier when he said it he goes and about it being your birthday nigga i didn't know it was your birthday i don't have your birthday in my motherfucking phone i don't know you like that <laughs> but yeah as you can see i'm loving it um enjoying tugging at each of these strings stemming from this quote-unquote podcast beef that's going on but at the end of the day wish all the folks well and honestly can't wait to see the next iteration of the joe button podcast hats off once again to those guys enjoy the vacay hope you fellas come back soon and stronger than ever now in other podcast news charlamagne the god co-host of the breakfast club which is nationally syndicated by iHeartMedia, radio personality hall of famer as i mentioned earlier he announced a 50 50 partnership with iHeartMedia in a new entity that they're putting out called the black effect podcast network that's again a 50 50 partnership 50 50 ownership of the black effect podcast network which by the way joe budden both applauded but also shat on it calling it the black effect podcast department of iHeartMedia. <laughs> but um it's dope it's a 50 50 partnership and will include 18 shows 
different shows that are all slated to not debut but debut under the black effect podcast network this fall and the shows are big time shows some of them and all of them are curated by charlemagne and as he put it represent like different interests of his so you have shows like the breakfast club in and of itself has a podcast version it it's disseminated as a podcast as well the morning show that's going to anchor this uh, black effect podcast network you have a show like drink champs which is a behemoth in and of itself shout out to nori and djfn you have a show or not a show the show all the smoke with matt barnes which is dope and by the way is the last interview that kobe bryant did before his tragic passing was the all the smoke podcast with matt barnes which by the way i featured as a video of the week in the Spun Today newsletter, once upon a time. So if you're not subscribed, you're slipping. Go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. You have shows like the 85 South show, which I haven't seen, but I know it's with the DC Young Fly, which is funny, and Carlos Miller and Chico Bean. You have shows like Holding Core with Ebony K. Williams, Carefully Reckless with Jess Hilarious, Street Politicians with Tamika Mallory and My Son. Hello, somebody with Senator Nina Turner. Laugh and Learn with Flame Monroe. Executive produced by Tiffany motherfucking Haddish. Checking in with Michelle Williams. No Ceilings with Glasses Malone. And many, many more. You can have comedy shows, sports shows, political and social commentary shows, which again span the interests of Charlemagne the God. Definitely hats off to him. This is another good look for the podcast space and i'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of what this move represents as well as what opportunities evolve from it one facet of charlemagne's interest where i think is a bit underrepresented here is writing as a new york times best-selling author yourself charlemagne i as a dominican podcast host just want to put out there in the universe that dominicans have black in them too and that the Spun Today podcast is anchored in writing and unlimited in scope. Just saying. Now, the last thing I want to round out this uh, podcast news segment with is something that I've been following closely, or fairly closely, let's say, is the transition of the Joe Rogan Experience podcast to the exclusivity, three-year exclusivity, if I'm not mistaken, in the Spotify space. So as of August 1st, the Joe Rogan experience is now available on Spotify, but it's still also available everywhere else, iTunes, etc., or Apple Podcasts, rather. As of December 31st of this year, it will only be exclusive to Spotify, including the full video versions of the show, which currently air on YouTube. YouTube will still have clips, but if you want the full video version of the podcast, you would have to check those out on Spotify, which by the way, I thought it was going to be kind of clunky uh, because this was like a new thing that Spotify was incorporating into their platform just because of the Joe Rogan experience. And it's super smooth. And what I like about it is that it's like the video is playing while you're listening to the podcast and you can seamlessly transition between both like audio only and video. Whereas for example, with YouTube, if I'm watching like a Rogan episode on YouTube for whatever reason, like I normally would do that on the computer, not on my phone. But if I was doing it on my phone and I like 
lock my phone screen, then YouTube turns off and you're no longer hearing it. But if you do that with Spotify, you can be watching the video on the Spotify app, lock your screen, and then you're just listening to the audio and it's like completely seamless. It's, it's pretty dope what they did there. And that has the potential to be to be very big and disruptive within the podcast space. And this is, you know, huge $100 million monumental deal to get a licensing deal. So they have zero control over editing and creative control of the show. However, and this is the piece that I've been monitoring, and I've spoken about this deal in the past. So if you want to, again, check out the Spun Today YouTube page and look for the Joe Rogan Spotify deal clip, you know, be my guest. But the part I've been monitoring is that since the transition in this like midway transition that we're in where the show is now available on Spotify, but still also available everywhere else. Every show in Rogan's back catalog did not transfer over to Spotify. And suspiciously so. There are, you know, he's had folks like Alex Jones on in the past. And his episodes did not transfer over to, to Spotify. I think a couple of Sam Harris's episodes didn't transfer over. Jordan Peterson, his episodes didn't transfer over. So there, there's like a few of these folks that are controversial to some I guess, you know, not like the type of folks that the social justice warrior types and extreme left folks embrace, if you will. So it's interesting to see that those have not transferred over. I wonder if they are going to transfer over after the December 31st cutoff or if it was a fail. And if it was, it's a big fail on the side of like Rogan and his legal team in allowing for that loophole that may not be able to have creative control over episodes as Rogan records them moving forward. But if this continues to be the case, they will have that ability to, I guess, effectively censor by not including certain of his shows in the Spotify catalog. And there have been like many of Rogan's listeners that have expressed like outrage towards Spotify for this, because again, it is a form of censorship. And those of us that love the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, do so because it is unfiltered. We get the opportunity to hear the opinions and sides of folks that we may not agree with, but we have this unfiltered forum to try to get an understanding of where it is that they're coming from. And censorship of any kind is a slippery slope. So you have that outrage. Then you actually have outrage from employees of Spotify specifically in New York and in California that are threatening to boycott and strike and hold like walkouts from Spotify. If Spotify does not get editorial control over Rogan's show. So you have like this infighting within Spotify of folks that want to control Rogan's show, which newsflash it's a licensing deal. You can't, and you shouldn't want to. There's a reason why his platform has grown to being the biggest platform on the planet, which just to give you guys an idea, estimates of the show's downloads that I've touched on before were like that it was like 190 to 200 million million downloads per month. That was apparently uber conservative. And the numbers are actually closer to 400 million downloads per month. You know, it's just like big, huge $100 million deal, which with bonuses and incentives and shit like that, people estimate that it'll really be more like $300 million deal when everything is all said and done. But on the Spotify side, the announcing of the show's ex- exclusivity on Spotify alone shot the stock through the roof and made 
Spotify shareholders and made shareholders hundreds of millions of dollars, or even, I think, billions, I want to say, would it be, and a real billion, not a Donald Trump billion. So going back to that earlier point of mine, which is continue doing what got you to the dance, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it, ease up with that wanting to censor folks that you don't agree with. Like, we're not all supposed to agree. This is where my side, like, fuck shit up and ODs. You're not supposed to want this homogenization of thought. We're supposed to think differently. We're supposed to disagree. We're supposed to have platforms that allow us to do so openly so that other folks can become informed of both sides. But anyway, I digress. And we'll definitely continue to monitor the status of those shows which have not transferred over to Spotify. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, being from Brooklyn, was cariñosamente known as the Notorious RBG. Her documentary, which was extremely well made, that I've spoken about in the podcast, on the podcast in the past, was titled RBG. She sadly died on September 18th, 2020. She was appointed to the Supreme Court by President Clinton in 1993. And she was just the second woman to sit on the bench and serve as a Supreme Court justice in over 200 years. She was 87 years old when she passed. She broke down barriers and fought for women's rights at every single turn for her entire life. She was the first person on both the Harvard and Columbia Law Reviews. First person, not just first female. She became the second female law professor at Rutgers and fought for equal pay. She co-founded the first law journal on women's rights, known as the Women's Rights Law Reporter. She was the first tenured law professor at Columbia. Sorry, the first female tenured law professor at Columbia. She co-founded the Women's Rights Project at ACLU. She argued six cases before the Supreme Court and won five of them as an attorney. This is all prior to becoming the second Supreme Court justice in the world in the U.S., On the Supreme Court, she became known for her impassioned dissents, and she famously said in, I believe, a commencement speech at the University of Michigan in 2015 that she likes to think that most of her dissents will be the law someday. And this was the case, or became the case, when in 2009, then-President Obama signed the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act into law, which came by way of one of RBG's dissents. And what this did was relax the statute of limitations on fair pay complaints because women, for example, would compay, uh, make claims rather on pay discrimination, which was uh, sex-based. That dissenting opinion eventually translated into becoming this law, which no longer allowed for that. She was known as a Supreme Court justice that would be an educator of sorts to her colleagues on the bench, both conservative and liberal especially when it came to civil rights issues. And what's really telling of that fact, and to me, just a beautiful microcosm of how we as a people can come together is the fact that RBG was arguably one of the most liberal liberal justices in the Supreme Court. Her very close friend in general, and probably her closest friend on the Supreme Court, was Anton Scalia, which was arguably amongst one of the most conservative justices on the court. But despite those ideological differences, they were able to forge this friendship and I'm sure learn and gain from one another. 
And that to me is beautiful to see. It's a significant loss, not just of someone who was a light and a beacon for civil rights throughout her entire life and career, but a significant loss to the liberal lean of the Supreme Court, which is obviously not a loss to folks that would like it to be more conservative. A conservative-leaning Supreme Court will have the opportunity to reverse certain decisions, one of the most notable being Roe v. Wade and a woman's right to choose, and a plethora of facets that the reversal of that decision would trickle down and affect, like sex education, contraception, and related funding in these areas, DACA, and immigration-related legislation would be on the table and likely go the way of conservatives. Trumpito nominated Amy Coney Barrett, which is known to be a conservative judge, and she will likely get confirmed by the Senate. Because the way it's supposed to work, the way it works, is that when there's a vacancy on the Supreme Court, the the President of the United States nominates a judge for that position. Then the Senate of the United States goes through their process of vetting this nominated judge and either confirms them, which means that they become the Supreme Court justice, or they deny them, in which case then they move on to the next person, or the next nominee rather. Except, of course, if you're President Barack Obama. He had a vacancy on the court during his last year in office, and he nominated Judge Garland. But according to the Senate, the Republican-run Senate at the time, like it is currently, the almost 150 days left in President Obama's term was not enough time to go through the process of vetting and confirming Judge Garland. Fast forward to the current point in time, we have a vacancy now with the passing of RBG, whose last dying wish, by the way, was to wait for the election to be over and allow the winner of the election to appoint or nominate rather her replacement. So fast forward to this vacancy and amid all that's going on, the economy trying to recover, a worldwide pandemic, most folks relatively locked down, businesses closed, lives lost. We're 40 some odd days away from the presidential election date. And according to the president, and the Republican-run Senate, the 40-some-odd days are more than enough time to vet and confirm a Supreme Court justice. The same group of folks who said 150 days were not enough just four years ago, now 40-something days is more than enough. How convenient. And look, I would have absolutely nothing to say if the process played out the way it's supposed to play out, which is a sitting president nominates a judge whenever there's a vacancy in the Supreme Court, and then the Senate goes through their process to vet and confirm that judge. That was supposed to happen during Obama's administration, during his last year in office. But that process was sabotaged. A new precedent was set self-servingly. And this isn't about, like some folks on the right like to say, about feelings and fuck your feelings, not about your feelings. It's about the law and this and that, and we have the right to do it. Yeah, you do. You do have the right to do it. And it isn't about feelings. It's about consistency of process, integrity of systems. Having those pillars in place is why things work. 
when you erode them in this way, you're weakening us as a whole. Your short-term benefit is fucking our long-term gain. Abraham Lincoln was in a similar situation once upon a time. And you know what he did? He waited until after an election. He chose to wait until after an election to nominate a justice. This thing of ours, this American experiment, if you will, it's supposed to matter more than party. Then on the Democratic side, you have, for example, a a bill proposed in Congress to limit, to term limit Supreme Court justices to 18-year terms, which if put forth at any other point in time would make sense to me because these positions are currently lifelong appointments and have the potential to, or not the potential, they literally do shape the laws and trajectory of the nation for decades at a time. The Roe v. Wade decision, for example, was in 1973. That's almost 50 years ago. And I get from a legal standpoint, you need, it can't be a volatile system. You need certain pillars in place to establish stability, which is why the limit of 18 years, you know, normally it's like two years for Congress, four years for most other elected officials, four years for the presidency, limited after eight. Congress actually, although it has the four-year terms, has no limit. Same with the Senate. So 18 years, I think, establishes that stability while also not having that for life permanence, which again, I agree with at any other point in time in history. The fact that it's coming forth now is just so transparently self-serving from the, from the Democrats that although it's a good idea, it's still tainted. Similar to the idea of only needing a simple majority for confirmations, which has not come back to, to bite them in the ass. And I say all that to close out with this. The blatant self-serving hypocrisy on both sides speaks volumes about the folks that we've empowered to represent us. And that's exactly why we all need to vote. Not just for the president, not just for these sexy mainstream elections, but for elections at all levels, at the lower levels. For Congress, for Senate, for State Senate, for City Council, for district leaders, for judges, district attorneys, borough presidents. Don't complain about your vote not counting or when certain rights that you have and have taken for granted over the past 50 years and several decades get reversed or taken away. When the fact of the matter is that it is that way because you chose not to vote during Senate elections and congressional elections every two years, every four years, all throughout the country in many, many close races where your, your vote actually does matter. The Social Dilemma is a documentary that is currently available on Netflix. And it kind of threw me off at first because I was expecting a straight documentary. But it's actually fused with, it's a documentary that's fused with a narrative drama. And I was taken aback at first, but the marriage of the two was done very well. It was super creative. And I quickly got over that initial hesitation that I had. So what the documentary is about, in essence, is feedback from folks that worked at very high levels of a lot of these tech companies like Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and Twitter 
all of which were high-ranking and like VPs and directors and development folks. And they were warning against the addictive nature of these applications, as well as the bubbles and echo chambers that they help create. Like you have one guy, for example, that ran a complete team that created the like button on Facebook. And then they get into the downstream implications of that with how that very addictive, small, seemingly small thing impacts society. Like, for example, with younger kids in high school and junior high and being driven to post things to gain likes from their friends. And when they don't get them, it aids in their depression. And then they seek, they change their behavior in ways that seeks that approval and gratification that they're getting, that dopamine hit that they're getting from having a lot of likes. You see the implications of this in industry, even with advertisers that will work with social media influencers and folks with large followings that get a lot of likes and attention on their posts. So it even drives industry in that way. And, you know, companies have on their payroll and and via consulting, especially these types of companies, like behavioral psychologists whose goal is to find out what would make this application more addicting or more engaging, quote unquote, aka more addicting and drive usage. You know, what colors are more palatable? You know, there's A-B testing that goes on to the side. You know, they'll put side-by-side samples of the same application and one is orange and the other one's red. And it's, you know, the same same logo and design and find out which one gets more more clicks and then go with that one. And things like on an iPhone, for example, the little red notification bubble that you have next to your emails or text messages, like that was a deliberate decision that was made because through these behavioral psychologists and A-B testing, they determined that that bubble would make you more likely to click on the application and use it. They touch on the precision with which you can target individuals with the tools provided to sell them things or create root. Uh, groups and so dissent even for example there's a they didn't touch on this on the document on the doc but someone by the name of renee deresta which is the director of research at new knowledge and she's been on like sam harris's podcast i believe she's been on rogan's as well she's been brought forth or commissioned by the senate intelligence committee she like broke this story of uh like russian run troll farm for example i forget the name of the company it's like the the internet research agency or something like that that is dedicated to just sowing the senate creating instability in other countries like the u.s for example like these are folks that are literally clocking in and out that's their you know quote-unquote corporate nine to five this is what they do and they'll you know create facebook groups and promote a pro-Trump rally at a specific location and get a group of folks to go there and then do the same thing within a pro-Hillary group and have them meet at a rally and then have both rallies across the street from each other just to sow this dissent and hate and, and possible violence, etc. So there are tools that allow that to happen. Again, not that example specifically. One of the most, I would call dangerous and unintended consequences of the way that application algorithms work in wanting to and are the fact the 
fact that they're driven by the goal of capturing your attention as their primary goal means that it's at at all costs, right? So if an application sees that you click on a car video, if you're on Instagram or something like that, whenever you go to search on Instagram, you're going to see more cars. It's going to feed you more car videos because its goal is to keep you active and using the application. It works the same way on YouTube and, you know, even Google, even when you're searching something. So the danger comes in the inevitable creation of bubbles, of echo chambers, of you liking, for example, a pro-Trump video, for example, or a Fox News post or anything conservative leaning. The algorithms are going to make sure that they feed you more of what it is that you like, more of what it is that got your attention and less of everything else. And the danger lies in the fact that we're all operating off of half information. If I have, for example, left-leaning tendencies, right? And I search within Google that knows my left-leaning tendencies, is climate change, and I just type in that, it'll start feeding me, is climate change real? These are the reasons why it's real. Article after article, study after study, reasons why it's real. If I'm a right-leaning person, and I won't see anything else, if I'm a right-leaning person with right-leaning tendencies, and I type in, is climate change, it'll autofill fake. Is climate change fake? Yes, it's fake. This is why it's fake. Report after report, study after study, telling me why it's fake. So then it creates that bubble on both sides, and one side is like, just yelling, climate change is real. What are you, crazy? And the other side has the equal opposite argument. Climate change is fake. What are you, crazy? And so it goes with the vast majority of all major issues that we discuss and argue about. And it's really interesting shit. It's scary, but interesting. And kind of highlights, for me at least, the importance of actively seeking out opposing opinions. Just to hear them out. Just to see what it is. Just to kind of hack, quote unquote, the algorithms and confuse them a bit. Don't let them feed you what it thinks you want to be hearing and seeing. If you think climate change is real, search why is climate change not real? You know, do little things like that and vice versa. Anyway, I highly recommend it. It was a very, very interesting, enlightening in some ways watch. And just to end it with the the narrative drama, it was really cool how they, they like anthropomorphize the application algorithms. Like they make the the algorithms like people. And you see like a panel of three people saying, damn, Tony hasn't used his phone in the last five minutes. Let's send him an alert that a friend of his is on Facebook and he should say hi. And they'll send an alert and be like, damn, he didn't respond to that. Okay, send them a coupon from Amazon and tell them that, you know, there's a sale going on within the next five minutes. And they like make these people like, they make the algorithm like personified in that way. So it helps the idea of it of how it how the algorithm is actually functioning it helps it like sink in and it draws you into the the narrative of the documentary which is basically that the ultimate goal of all these applications and systems is to get and keep the user's attention because ultimately that's how they get paid son anyway <laughs> the social dilemma is streaming now on netflix and last but not least I just want to say that when this episode officially drops, which is October 1st, the Spun Today podcast will have turned 
six years old officially. The first episode of the podcast was launched on September 30th, 2014, and it's been a hell of a ride. I appreciate each and every one of you that listen. I hope it continues to grow as it has been. I hope you all enjoy listening as much as I enjoy putting it out because it's been an absolute blast and I look forward to it as much now as I did then and I plan to continue doing it until the wheels fall off. And with that said, adios folks. Vibe out for a bit with some tunes in the background and then listen to a few ways that you can help support the Spun Today podcast. She grew up within her castles Now and then she tried to run And then on a night with the setting sun She went in the woods away so afraid All alone They want her, don't go there There's creatures who are hiding in the dark Then something can creep in it told her, don't you worry, just follow everywhere I go Top of all the mountains, the valley low Give you everything you've been dreaming of Just let me in, Ooh. Everything you want to go, that'll be the magic story You've been told and you'll be safe under my control Just let me in Hey folks, Tony here, and I hope you're enjoying the show as much as I enjoy putting it together for you. If you'd like to support, I'd really appreciate it, and we'll give you a one-stop shop of sorts on how to do so. If you can make your way over to spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a bunch of different ways where you can do just that. There you'll find an Amazon banner similar to the other banners found throughout my website that you can click on and will take you to Amazon where you can do your shopping like you normally do. This will not cost you anything extra and Amazon will pay me a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. It's a great way to help support the show financially without actually having to come out of pocket. At spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll also find links to my Patreon and Ko-fi pages. Patreon and Ko-fi are two similar websites where you can set up reoccurring donations for the show. If you want to donate a dollar per month, a dollar per episode, a hundred dollars per episode, whatever you like, you can check out either one of those two services there. There's actually also a Patreon video that's kind of like a little tutorial explanation video of how Patreon actually works. Also at spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a direct donation button where you, you can donate by way of PayPal. You'll find a link to Apple Music, which works similar to the Amazon banner. You can click on it. It'll take you to Apple's website where you can do your purchasing like you normally do. And again, it does not cost you anything extra, but I will get paid a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. And you'll also find links to the Spun Today viral style store. This is where you can get 
spun today related merch and you'll find things like these cool premium t-shirts that have uh, writing related things on them that I put together myself. I'm definitely not a clothing designer by any stretch of the imagination, but I put together things that I wanted to see and, and uh, wear myself. A couple of my favorites are the one that says writing is life and another one that says write need every day and it has like a puff of smoke looking design right behind uh, those words. You'll also find a sponsored a coffee mug and a really cool color changing mug that's related to my debut novel Fractal. It's completely black and when it gets hot when you put in coffee or tea it starts changing to white and it also exposes the cover art for my novel fractal it's pretty dope so definitely check all that stuff out which again you can find by going to sponsor.com forward slash support and of course do not forget to follow me on all of your social media at sponsor on twitter at sponsor on instagram subscribe to the sponsor youtube channel where you can find clips and excerpts from the podcast along with other cool content like the facebook page at facebook.com forward slash spun today also don't forget to check out all the free shit that i have on my website as well go to spun forward slash free writing and there you're going to find dozens and dozens and dozens of free writing pieces that you can check out for motivation and inspiration and just some general food for thought you can check out some of my photography at spuntoday.com forward slash photography feel free to take any of those pictures and use them as you wish i set it up so that you can like copy and download the photos and my short stories are available at spuntoday.com forward slash short stories and last but certainly not least my pride and joy corner spuntoday.com forward slash books here you will find my published books which you find folks can find links to purchase them on amazon whether you want hard copies or digital uh, kindle copies that's the spot for you thank you very much for being a spun today listener and as always substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy.